My name is Katie Lee. My name is Malachi. And, and this, this is, is Connectional. Connectional is a podcast of the Minnesota Annual Conference, the United Methodist Church. The United Methodist Church uses the word connectionalism and calls it a vital web of interactive relationships. You can find us on Facebook and wherever else you find your podcast. Okay, let's start the show. I'm so grateful that you are with us, Christian. Thanks for joining us on our podcast today. Where are you right now? Uh, I am in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You mean like, where am I? (laughs) (laughs) Are you obeying staying at home? You're like, yeah, I'm hanging out at a party with 15 people. I'm just in my apartment in downtown Minneapolis. Wonderful. Do you want to introduce yourself as formally as possible? Give your elevator speech of who you are? Yeah, 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 definitely. My name is Reverend Christian Briones. My pronouns are he, him. I'm the associate minister at Mayflower Church here in Minneapolis. I've been there. Oh, so check this out. So I'm coming up on a year. Woo! May the 28th marks a year that I moved here. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that I made this 22-hour trek from Tejas here. And then, um, yeah, so I'm I'm about a year in. And it's been great. Yeah, it hasn't been easy for sure. It's been my first call um, out of seminary. So yeah, that's and so I that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Where where were you at seminary? Where was I? I went to Bright Divinity School, which is in Fort Worth, Texas. And I had my concentration, I got my MDiv with a concentration in sexuality and gender. Oh, wow. Malachi, did you have, like, could you have had a sexuality and gender emphasis in seminary? I could have, yes. You could have, yes? Okay. But I opted for a certificate in society and personality. Oh, interesting. What is that? It's, um, this is a fancy way to say sociology of religion. (laughs) Okay. Where did you go, Malachi? Candler School of Theology. Oh, okay. In Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know Candler. Malachi is also a southerner. I am born and raised South Carolina. So Malachi and I have been doing a podcast that for the first series, we were doing 30 questions in 30 minutes. Then the last couple times we, since Corona hit, we've been doing long distance conversations, mostly with Methodist clergy of various points, but I've also interviewed Emmy Kegler, who's Lutheran. And so you're our first UCC representative. I'm honored. I, I'm thankful that you two invited me on this podcast. So thank you for allowing me. I mean, me there's to... like probably 50 people or so who are going to listen to this. So we're a pretty big deal at this point. That feels like it. <laughs> 50. Mm. Well, let me get off this thing. Then. <laughs> I'm playing. Yeah. Well, so I guess today I think it'll just be a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a mix of some just getting to know you because I think you're a, definitely a worthwhile person to know. Fun fact: Christian and I are friends in real life, and Christian and Malachi are future friends in real life. But uh, I, but also I just think it's it's interesting for to hear about how everybody in the pastoral world all over the city, all over the state, are dealing with this COVID nineteen stuff so so what's been your role what's been your role at the church in general over this last year and then how has that changed now that COVID's happening yeah so in my role I do a lot of the justice work that our our church does I am kind of the point person for that so we have a variety of justice teams at the church 
climate justice team, a team that tackles issues about race, um, a team that does organizing uh, on a political level here in the state, a team that does immigration and asylum, secret justice, uh, hospitality. And so all of the groups that have to do with like justice and mercy, I'm like the liaison, I'm the point person. There's a lot of me that says, there's a lot of me that feels like, like I don't want to say I lead them because a lot of times I feel like they, they lead me, like they have a faith um, and they have a type of hope that, that I feed off of, you know? And sometimes when I see their passion and the ways, um, the ways that they organize and are passionate about the issues that, that, that I think that we should be taking on, um, <laughs> it, it just feeds me. It gives me so much, it gives me a lot of life, you know, but that's a lot of my role that takes up a chunk of my role. And then of course, leading worship, I preach once a month and I do like prayers and stuff throughout the service, do the announcements, welcome. Hi everybody, welcome to Mayflower. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, um, and new members, my stuff, baptisms, you know, just kind of pre-quarantine. Yeah, yeah pre-quarantine, I was in the hospital seeing people. My senior and I split pastoral care. So sometimes I'm the one making the calls of visiting people in their homes and hospitals, and sometimes she's the one doing it. So in a nutshell, that's kind of that's what I do. And now, and now I can talk about it for a long time, but I'm trying to be brief and succinct. With great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. So how has your job changed now that the COVID situation is happening? Yeah, it's changed. We just do everything virtually now. <laughs> like, I feel like our, I mean, our, our church, oh, yeah. I mean, it was really, it's just, it's, it's been really active. Uh, it's been really active and energetic and it's still active and energetic. And we definitely had to pivot and some of our older members had to learn how to use some technology that they didn't have to use before. But for the most part, uh, we're still organizing. We're still doing the types of work that we're passionate about. The things that we are doing, obviously, are like baptisms, weddings, things like that, which makes me sad because I, I just love I just love doing a baptism. It's one of my favorite things. And I, I just miss seeing my people, you know, I don't say my people. I miss seeing the congregation. <laughs> um, I miss being with them. And I miss Sundays with everyone you know, in, in the church. And so, yeah, I mean, I would just say like it's, it's just gone virtual. We just we have to pivot, but everything every everything is still, for the most part, full on. It's kind of just still it's still going. It's just virtual now. So, uh, speaking of virtual, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, across many generations, in fact, have the divulging ideas about uh, the quality of virtual of virtual interactions. You know, there are some people who think that like virtual interactions aren't real and they can never match the real thing. There's some people who think that it's a perfectly fine substitute once people are accustomed to it. Uh, where do you sort of fall on that spectrum and how uh, you feel about uh, the virtual interactions taking place lately? I mean, there's a loss of like body language and energy. I think you can, you can feel people's energy virtually, but I think when people share the same physical spaces, it's a different level of feeling people's energy and, and what they bring to, to a, a particular meeting or to a particular physical space. So I, I definitely think it, it makes a difference. It makes a big difference. 
the, the upside of it is kind of what's obvious to everybody. Um, you know, I, if I, I could just sit on my, I can move around, I can go pour my hot water in my cup of tea and still talk to y'all. And I mean, what are you going to tell me? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you're not like, it's just, I mean, it's just what I do, you know what I'm saying? Or, or even if I, I have the option to turn my camera off and like, what you going to say? <laughs> and like, you don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm still here. So I think that, they are both turning their cameras off. There was a reporter, I think it was on like Good Morning America or something like that, that this fool, he like wore a jacket and like he didn't wear no pants. <laughs> and he had his camera down to where he could just see his legs. <laughs> you know what I'm I about? saw that. I saw that. Bro, that homie was bold, bro. He got caught like, slipping. <laughs> You got you slipping, dog, and I was like, "Yo, you, you, got, you got to be able to see yourself on the camera, like that's yeah, the man. You know what I'm saying." Um, <laughs> but yeah, to answer your question, sure, I would say it, there's an expense, there's a price that we pay for doing these virtual meetings. Uh, however, on on another level, I think it's important to continue to to meet and to continue to to be in each other's spaces, even if even if it's virtually. So, yeah, that's how I feel. What's, I mean, I, I just, it's so, I feel like so many people, church stuff has been, actually, I've really heard, basically, it's one way or the other. Some people's church stuff has ramped up where they're even busier for some reason, maybe because they're helping people figure stuff out more or something. And some people like myself, I feel like have a lot less to do. How, how are your people still full throttle, full steam ahead? I mean, how are they doing that? Like, what is it that they're organizing that's keeping so, you all engaged so thoroughly yeah, yeah 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 so part of like the full throttleness part of it was just the pivoting of of going from physical to virtual because it's like oh the immigration team is meeting on saturday half of them don't know how to use a zoom oh yeah so it's it's not just like the work itself but it's mm -hmm. the technical aspect of that pivot as far as the content of the organizing a lot of the things that we were organizing for and I think we're kind of seeing this in society in general, but a lot of the things that we were organizing for have just gotten a little more intense, such as tomorrow I'm on a call with the, the, manager, the, the manager of budgets and I don't know what in Minnesota. It's, and and the, Isaiah is the group that I organize with, and that's open. That's not an exclusive group. So if y'all are interested, oh, I've already been involved with Isaiah a little bit. Okay. Lots of my clergy colleagues went in that circle. Okay, cool, cool. I'm, I'm sure I see them on the calls and stuff all the time. But they're having a conversation about being at a being at a budget deficit, right? And what that means for getting out access to healthcare, what that means for undocumented people, what that means for people who can't pay their rent right now, which were all things that we were organizing for pre-quarantine, pre-COVID, you know, and now the stakes are a little higher, you know, now that this, oh, this, yeah. this pandemic is, is wreaking havoc in yeah. our society. So, and so that's kind of what I mean, is like the, the content of our organizing is, is a, can be a little more intense right now. So, yeah. That's gotta feel kind of good. Like you have something to do, like you're, <laughs> like uh -huh. yeah it's, it's definitely a lot yeah no i definitely have stuff to do and sometimes it feels i don't know i'm and i'm sure i've never met a minister who doesn't have the feeling of of feeling like they 
are not up to the task, you know, like you kind of like look at God and you think to yourself, yo, you really didn't put me in this. Like you think, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you, you want me to lead these people? Like you got me messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, we've all kind of felt that at some point, right? It's like, yo, and then so to me, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of like, come on dog. Like, yo, if this church falls apart, this shit is not my fault. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, like, I've been, I just graduated from school, and I don't know what's going on, and, you know, Uh but I think that there's a type of, I think that we're resilient creatures, and I Uh think, I think that there's more inside of us than we Uh give ourselves credit for, you know. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah, and I think when there's a task at hand, and we're in front of it, like, let's do it to it, you know, Um, and we may mess up, and we may not do it as well as as well as as well as expected or whatever but i think that there's a lot of growth and i think that we can i think we can do things that i think we can surprise ourselves and do things that we don't we didn't know that we could do you feel me yes i think we can lead i we can lead in ways that we didn't know we could lead and we can empower people in ways we didn't know we could empower i, I think that there's just like untapped potential in all of us and, wow. and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that um, times like these bring that out of us. Cause, cause what else are we gonna do? You know what I'm saying? Like, if we're people of hope, like, what are we gonna do? Like, we we're gonna <laughs> dig in, we're gonna dig inside of ourselves, and we're gonna pull that hope out, no matter how far it is, no matter how far it is down there, we gonna find it. You know, and we're gonna give it to to the people we're called to lead. So that's how I feel. Yeah. Yes, that's such a good word. Yeah, that's a good word. And I mean, you seem, I mean, maybe, maybe you're trying to be a professional Christian, but I mean, like you seem calm, which is good. Cause I know that you like, these are anxious times. Like, are you feeling calm about it? Are you feeling good about it? How are you, how are you doing? I feel calm. I think, I think in my, <laughs> I think in my, my daily life, pre-quarantine, pre-COVID, I was just anxious a lot. You, like, I'm just anxious about just existence, you know, like, <laughs> this existential dread is just trying to live our lives it's just Uh yeah so i think a lot i went about just a normal really gorgeous day almost somewhere in the back of my mind if not in the forefront of my mind thinking of something bad that could happen you know Uh and um and now i'm living in the midst of something that is just that is scary and that's terrifying and that's that is wreaking havoc something that's actually something that is actually bad is happening right now you know and so to me, I'm like, yo, my life has just been like this. You know? <laughs> so like, now that this thing has actually happened, I, I feel ready. You know, I, I feel like the one. I'm like, yo, put me in this, put me in this fight. You know, yeah. what I'm saying? This, is what, this is what, this is what, unfortunately, for whatever reason, I've, my body and my mind is, was trying to train me for is some kind of catastrophe. Um, sure. let's, let's do it to it. I mean, so now that there's time, uh, I mean, you're still working a lot, but there's lots of time. Have you been doing some reflecting about this first year of ministry coming up and, you know, a year ago Christian versus a year a year later Christian? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I might get emotional. I'm getting emotional just hearing that question. I think, yeah, when I first got to, whew, when I first got to. Get it. When I first got to, when I first got here, I think there was a part of me that I felt, I felt like I almost tricked, (laughs) I felt like I almost tricked these people (laughs) into like hiring me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like, 
That's called imposter syndrome. <laughs> I know that demon. I know it's called now. <laughs> I, rebuke, I rebuke thee. Uh, get behind me, devil. <laughs> and and so I was like, yo, I, I think there was, I mean, there's, I mean, that imposter syndrome is like, there's a part of me that thinks that this is fake, right? I, I created this character and they, they think that I'm that, you know, they think I'm that character that I, that I made, you know. And firstly, I had like just a couple of really good friends back home um who just affirmed me and they were like yo you really you really that person you know like they you didn't trick anybody like that process is mean if you was fake they would have known (laughs) 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 these people don't play and they still don't Um, so and so i think since i've been here when i thought about when i think about christian a year ago he was a lot more afraid and he was more um what do i say not i wasn't as powerful Uh, you feel me like i wasn't and so since i've been there how i'm called to lead and the way people see me as a leader it's like oh okay I can do this. Not only can I do this, but I am doing it. And not only am I doing it, but I'm doing it really well, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah. And so I, I think sometimes it's just a matter of kind of like I was saying earlier is, is getting to a place to where getting to a place that calls something out of you <laughs> and having the faith and having the faith to reach down into yourself and reach out into to your community, the people that love you, and, and reach for for the way that you're called to empower and bring hope to to the people around you and to the world around you. Mm. So I, I feel I feel more bold. I'll say yeah. that. I feel more powerful than than I did a year ago. So mm. have you had people at church comment on any ways you've changed? Yeah, I think. And I, I, I think I felt some type of way when I heard this comment because, because, because coming in, I was, I was pretty confident in my preaching skills, you know, and, and I want to say about four months in, somebody said, yo, you're getting better at that. <laughs> <laughs> or they were like, or they said, like, you, you're more confident or you're, and I was like, man, my sermon's been fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I was like, you've been asleep. That's what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, you just they've been here, you know. And so I, people have said stuff like that. But I, I think, and even right now, like right behind my laptop is cards that I have from people in my congregation who are just writing to encourage me and thanking me for helping oh. people keep hope and stuff like that. So that's church people can be awesome. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And I, I and I think sometimes and this is this is the stuff that we do, that we've been hearing since elementary school, right? But it's like we don't know the types of impacts we have on people. Mhm. You know I mean, and I think I think sometimes they don't know the types of impact, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um and and for for better or for worse, you know, that's 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 a call to to also to be careful, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> so be careful, you know, and how you speak and how you carry yourself or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's how I feel. That's so funny. I did. I just, I had the same, uh, I had a, a high schooler from my last church. I was at the church. I was at in Rochester. I was at for five years and one of my girls is uh, a student at UW Madison. And when she was in high school, um, I, I guess I'm trying to remember when she graduated, she probably graduated to maybe last summer. I think she's a, just finishing her freshman year in college, but she, we had a mission trip and in her mission trip notebook, we all like signed their notebooks, the seniors, and I had written a prayer for her. Mm-hmm that was like specific to her like what I knew about her and it was a prayer for her to read for like you know to God um and she just texted me this week a picture of the prayer and was she'd said like oh I pulled back this notebook back out and this prayer just feels really appropriate for right now and all this stuff and yeah it is just it's I mean I think it's amazing that we sometimes we put ourselves too much on a pedestal being pastors and feel like, Oh, like we're doing all this stuff for other people, but like we're, but it's, it's a relationship, right? It's a relationship. Like we're serving each other. We just have different roles. We're serving each other. Uh That's a very healthy way to put it. I mean, I think some people would say it's unhealthy because like they'd say that that's like not good boundaries to be like, say your church people are giving you something, but at, I mean, I think I especially felt that way when I was in Rochester because a lot of our church people were our medical professionals and so, and it's a small city. So like one of those people, one time I had a church person diagnose me with, uh, diagnose me with sinus infection because my prayer sounded really off. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's like, you know, like I, like I'm praying for them and they're diagnosing me from the, like, we're just serving each other. We each have different roles, you know? No, you know, it's true because uh, this family from my church last week, this is a family who never planned to like ever go back to church ever. There was, it was never in their plans for them to like raise their kids in church. Both of them had stopped going to church as adults. And somehow the wife came across my sermons on Facebook and watched them for like over a year before she came to church. And in the beginning, she came by herself. By the end of the month, she was bringing like her husband and all three of their kids and they come just about every Sunday. Um, Maybe not all five of them, because that's a lot, you know, (laughs) kids are a lot, but like a good chunk of the family's there almost every Sunday. So they brought me like a warm home-cooked meal fresh out of the oven, some baked pasta. And inside the bag was was a card where one of them had like drawn on the inside. uh, And the youngest kid made me something out of Legos. And then the middle kid who I didn't even know was an artist, like legit like made me a painting, right? Uh, and that's like all soft and sentimental and stuff, but that's like an actual service because it made me feel good. It makes me feel good talking about it. It picked me up like in this season where we're feeling like really low a lot. And while that might just seem like, you know, like a nice thing, that is an act of service to treat the people who serve you well uh, because they treat you well. So that kind of stuff goes a long way. And I think uh, you're making a pretty good point here, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's my rant for today. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It doesn't count as a. It doesn't count as a rant if it's positive. I think. <laughs> how do you think, like your church, and I mean, I I don't know how if the UCC is all very connected to each other, but how are you seeing your church, the UCC, or just all churches 
changing after this? Changing after? So uh, some people from my church kind of say that the quarantine has helped them feel more connected to their families, you know, to the people around them. Mm. And, and I was like, it's because right now the center of our lives, the center of our lives is connectedness, it's relationship. It's the people who care about us and love us, the people who we love and care about. And it's not production, it's not work. It's not like tasks. Yeah. Like, yo, like, I just don't want to see that go away. Mm-hmm. When things go back to quote unquote normal. I yeah. agree. You feel me? Like, yeah. it, it, I, you know, and so I, when people, I've had multiple people say, actually, almost they like whisper shit to me, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, don't tell nobody, but I kind of like this, you know? And it's like, because <laughs> <laughs> they like, you know, I, just like I've spent more time with whoever my kids my spouse you know and I was just like yo when when we make the center of our lives connectedness and relationship and not production and not work and you know what are the possibilities that 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 are there for for creating a just a, a more a more connected place and a more loving place place to live place to be yeah, I think we're still a way away from that, though, because on the other side of the coin, you got the people who are like, I don't care how dangerous it is. I want my coffee now. <laughs> I like, want my heck and I like saw some interesting posts that were like, you notice these people aren't there. I'm like out here marching for like to like make sure these people who are out of work get paid. They're like marching so that somebody has to like show up and cut their hair. <laughs> they're not like out there marching for like workers rights they're out there like marching for the right for people to get sick and die so they can get their bangs cut like yeah that's good i hadn't even thought of that yeah it's like really it's so deeply like steeped in privilege my life has been inconvenienced and i'm tired of it so you can just die so i can be less convenienced again it's absurd Malachi, you don't need to call out the fact that when I left your house the other day to drop something off, I went right to Corner Coffee and got a Corner Coffee to go. I mean, you don't have to just passive aggressively call me out. <laughs> That's not what I meant. But... <laughs> I mean, and then I showed up with my AK 47 at the governor's mansion. <laughs> Talk about, about America. Talk about America first. <laughs> I seen Katie with the sign that said "Liberate Minnesota." <laughs> Jesus. I want coffee now. <laughs> okay, no I will way. say if I didn't, if there weren't coffee places open, I might be on that line. But there are coffee places open to go, so yeah, they are. They are just fine. But I just want to say on Christian's point that like. I, I think you're like right that it's important that people that a lot of people can see for the first time in a long time that the true center of our lives is supposed to be connectedness and that this entire quarantine slash shutdown is one big exercise in connectedness because it only works if you're willing to put the needs and safety of other people before your mm-hmm. own comfort and convenience, right? The strategy crumbles when enough people become selfish enough to say, you know what, I'm tired of it, whatever about everybody else. And so it's kind of sad that like so many people can see it, but then there's like a whole nother segment of people who like can't even see it now. Like they don't even now in these particular circumstances see uh, the selfishness of their own ways. And it just makes me a little sad because if a worldwide global pandemic can't make you see that you're being a jerk, 
I'm like, I, don't, I don't really know what else is going to do it. I mean, to be to be fair, it's also people's stress response, right? So it's it's also people. We're also not being our best selves. I know. I just wish our best selves weren't so mean to each other. Yeah. That's not, yeah. That's not an excuse. You can be stressed out and go yeah. ass inside and not <laughs> run true. around, not not get strapped up. Did you see these men? They were strapped up full on choppers, like they had these like they had these like this machine guns, just like. Oh, and then the goggles talking about America. I do, I do. They, they ain't never been I like, like I was like, yo, I was like, man, let me see some black and brown folk walk up on some government building oh with some guns God. like that. Let me see what, what happened. Who? I wonder how many yeah, like, what, what, what I'm saying? I was like, yo, military would come out. Like, <laughs> like I, don't know. I was, I seen that and I, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've been speechless the past few weeks about what I've seen on the news. I, I can't even find yeah. to, to articulate. It's crazy, right? These guys are out here with like AK-47s and AR rifles, and they got like bike cops and like yellow jackets. But when mm-hmm. Jamar Clark was killed, they was out here with like uh, MRAPs and SWAT and assault rifles. It's crazy. Their minds already made up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That contrast, the contrast of the responses to yeah. these protests to me are just, uh, they're, they're demonic. Yeah. Just straight up. Yeah, straight up. So I, I don't know. It, it. Yeah, just like, Ooh. Yeah, how, how, I mean, on a personal level, how, how are you feeling? I mean, on the work level, you're feeling more empowered, but how? I mean, I, I feel, for the most part, I feel pretty cool. You know, I feel pretty calm, like I said earlier. I think, I don't know, I think technology is really helpful. That's how I connect with people. Mm-hmm. I've had calls with you, Katie, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like, I check in with the homies like every now and then just to see what's going on. And my PlayStation Four is helpful. I got PS- <laughs> right, two K. Yeah, PSN name. <laughs> um, yeah, so I feel pretty cool and like exercise. You know, find a way to like be in my body and stuff. Um, and I feel and it really. I don't mean this like in. A, <laughs> this sounds sad, but it's not. I feel like even before this, I feel like I didn't have a lot of people around anyway. You feel me? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, shit. Well, then they're like, oh, don't see your friends. I was like, what friends? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Minnesota can be a lonely place. What'd you say? Minnesota can be a lonely place. Oh, child. Especially for us transplants. Yeah. Yeah, no, and the, and the thing is deceitful. It's deceitful because these people run around nice. <laughs> Big smiles. <laughs> Hi. All are, all are welcome. <laughs> that was good. Like, when you try to be my friend, they'd be like, oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, well, don't, don't smile at me like that. Don't be I nice. Did- <laughs> I've been listening to uh I just finished this audiobook Untamed by Glennon Doyle and it's been just super great super great for me and something she mentioned was she was like you know I wish people would stop having circles of friends and start having horseshoes of friends she's like you gotta leave space like every group of friends needs to start leaving space like mm-hmm. enough with wow. circles yeah. Start with horseshoes. I was like, wow, that's so true. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. Oh, we lost I love that. That's really beautiful. Yeah, because I think, and I think that's, I think, you know, like, 
it's a natural instinct like minnesota with uh you know it's a, it can be a harsh place it's cold and what blah 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 and so people i get get into our little circles but i think it's like you gotta you gotta have gotta leave some room gotta leave some room yeah i don't to me it's like i don't care what you got you got a circle, you got a horseshoe, a triangle, a duodecagon. I, <laughs> let me in. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Let me in. I'll <laughs> jump right in the center of that circle. A diamond, if I have to. Yeah, <laughs> you got a cylinder, what you got? <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, yeah. No, but I, yeah, in short, I, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. There are worse places to be lonely. Oh, yeah. And, and kind of, yeah. And kind of like, let me just be very clear. Like, I have friends. I have friends. You know, and one thing one thing one thing that i one thing that i kept repeating to myself when i got here is that i i don't need i don't need a lot of friends i just need good friends right and so we don't, yeah, yeah yeah so like we uh, we don't need a ton of people in our lives oh, we need what we need is a few people to go really deep with and who are really going to support us and be there you feel me i've had a lot of friends before when i was like in middle school or something but it's a different thing to have, to have a lot, uh, to have a lot versus having depth in those relationships. You know, I, I prefer having the depth, depth in relationships versus quantity of, of people around. So, and that's hard, it's hard to find, you know, but it's all good. I feel like I'm at a good pace right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people have what I call like filler friends. <laughs> oh, I like that. Like yeah. the anime episodes, like filler episodes. Yeah. Just like people who like to take up some space and time here and there. Uh -huh. Which, Malachi, you've told me, it's okay to have filler friends. It is. It is. It serves a purpose. Malachi's uh, always has, texting me that, especially, you know, if it has to do with online dating or whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's okay, uh -huh. it's okay to have some just filler people. People to pass the time with. That's the thing. It is. But, you know, as long as you don't forget what something's for, yeah it's fine you know right do everything with intentionality right because you start treating a filler friend like a person who's like supposed to be there down to the root you're gonna get some results you weren't looking for oh that, like that's that. not their role that's not what okay. they're there for uh-huh i want to i want to hear from the two of you so i'm i am merging a couple thoughts based on our last few comments uh one which is that all of our work in, in ministry and in our lives is, revolves around connection. Um, and two, just like, you know, it's not about how many people we have, but the depth of it. How does this impact the way we do church? Is this revealing some ways that maybe we have too much filler stuff in church? Is this demonstrating ways we might go deeper in connection in our church programs? I mean, I, I, I think unless, I mean, there's certainly churches that are just a perfect clock situation where there's nothing extra, but I think that's kind of rare. Right. I'm curious. I, mean, I, I think that's the goal is to like help people realize that the way it is, you know, honestly, it's a bigger problem here in Minnesota than I like realized it was because obviously I knew nothing about the state, but there's like, people are almost fearful on some level of having like friendships and relationships with a certain depth to them. It's like, like, you know, like, I experienced that well, in Minnesota vulnerable. It's very like, vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. like, it's just, just a little too close, a little too vulnerable. Just, you know, back up, give me some room. Uh, Minnesotans are very back up, give me some room kind of people. Yeah. Um, but like, when we do that, particularly when we do it out of fear, we short sight 
the experiences we could be having from getting to know people on a deeper level, uh, no matter like what the context is, like church, friendship, relationship, you, yeah. you just, you can't be afraid to feel, right? Yeah. I'm lucky, I deal with depression, so I feel, it seems like a lot heavier than like more people anyway. So I already understand that like, while it might hurt to feel, it feels good too on the other end when things go well. And I think things go well more often than they go not well. So, but people seem to have like this real fear of going beyond like a certain level of like depth with people. Um, And I think that like really shorts our Christian experience of community. What do you think, what do you think if you, what do you think that that fear is? Cause I, I feel like, cause I, 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 like, I agree with you on that. I think I've, I've felt that here, you know? And so I'm curious as to what you think that, that the fear of the fear of, cause to me, it's like a fear of intimacy, right? Like a fear of mm-hmm. It's a fear of love. Fear and I'll tell you why. Yeah. It's, it's a fear, fear of, of love. love. And I, I'll tell you, what, this is what I tell people uh, at like weddings or well, the one couple I married to be, <laughs> to be exact. It's that like to love someone is to give them permission to like hurt you where it hurts the most. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And that's dangerous, right? Yeah. You might love a hundred people that way and three of them might like take advantage of that and hurt you. But those three are going to hurt a lot. You're going to need time to recover from that. And you're going to remember those scars forever. And mm-hmm. every time something like that happens to you, it makes it more difficult or it makes it feel like less worth the risk to like open yourself up to that type of possibility again, even if it's not likely to go that way. It's like, right. it's like, why, why risk it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you thinking, Christian? I think, um, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think that's good. I guess I, I just imagine I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of myself and my, my like dating, you know, my dating life. And it's like, I think I've been in place for such a long time to where like I don't want to be in something that's like really serious you know like mm-hmm. um and so it's just like I kind of have a fear of like pain you know right and so I it's like I don't um with connection and Malachi I have I have said that almost verbatim like to myself and to other people when you are when you decide to be in relationship with someone and I'm just saying like not just romantically but friends with jobs or whatever part of that agreement is that this the other party can hurt you you know and so it's like what um in order to connect we have to be willing to be hurt and mm-hmm. we have to be willing to be held accountable to how we hurt to, to how we hurt someone else or or a relationship or another party or whatever and it's hard work and malachi i, I feel like you would resonate with this like and oh, I don't know why, like, because I feel like when <laughs> when I get cut, like, oh, child, like, I'm going to remember that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you hurt me. Ooh, it is written on my wall, boy. <laughs> like, that shit is written on my wall, like, in, in Sharpie, my G. Like, it's just there. I'm going to see that. I still remember day. the girls that made fun of me in, like, third grade. <laughs> <laughs> You like if I, I can, her, I can tell you her name right now, and I haven't seen her in a decade. <laughs> you know, and so, and, and, but I, but I, but I think it, but it's a, it's such a strange thing because I think in a lot of ways, that's why. That's one of the reasons that we chose to do what we do is is because we're deep feelers is because we see the wow. pain. Yeah, we see the pain in the world around us and ourselves and we want to alleviate that and then we step into spaces again where we can be hurt again, you know, <laughs> and like mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough thing to 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 take on. But no, I I totally rock with what I totally agree with what Malachi said about that kind of connecting is is uh, is an agreement to to be hurt. And I think that and I think that this sort of extends to people's relationship with the church or faith as oh, well. Oh, one thousand percent. Right, particularly those of a certain generation who like endured harm or harmful situations or really bad theology from the church growing up, right? This is this place that you were taught was supposed to love you and then mm. it didn't love you or mm. it did something that was harmful or contrary to how you view love to you, right? And then so why do you want to open that door for like any other church or any other faithful person so that they can give you the same kind of hurt that the last church gave you? And this, this idea, right? We have, a, we have like a high value of the church but I think sometimes people forget that the church is made of people and that, you know, Jesus will never let me down, but there is not a person you will ever meet that isn't capable of letting you down. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. we have to like learn to separate the two. You have to know the difference between God hurting you and then a person who say they represented God hurting you because the truth is God never hurt nobody. It's just people who hurt people on his behalf. And it took me a long time of being angry with God and angry with the church and angry with Christian people as a teenager and young adult to like figure that out, that it wasn't God that hurt me, it was people that hurt me. But yeah, we yeah. we underestimate how difficult it can be for people to separate the two. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Man, I have so many thoughts about what you just said. I think my experience, my experience in, in the church and in Christian faith was that it never hurt me. Um, I mean, looking back, well, we'll just, I'll just talk and then I'll get into it. But like, it, it never hurt me in a way uh, that I recognized at the time. But I think as I started to grow in faith, when I started going to school and get my education, what I realized is that like, my faith hurts other people. What I'm saying. And so th there was a time there was there was a time when I first became a Christian that I totally believed that being queer was a sin. And um, years, you know, years later, I was like, yo, like, what am I, I, I realized that this is a weaponization of my Christianity. This is a weaponization of scripture. This is the Bible being used. This is Christian faith being used in a really violent way. And so it's like, it's not hurting me, but it is harming others. And so I have to reckon with, I have to reckon with when people see me as a minister, all they see is their pain. Mm -hmm. And from from for me, it's like I have a <laughs> I have a responsibility to that pain, to care, to tend to that pain. So uh, this is something, and it's so funny. Like thinking <laughs> circle when I think when I think of, I think it's a thing here in the city. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but when I've there's a lot of people who I've been interested in in the dating kind of way, who have just been like. Oh, you're. A, they realize I'm a pastor, or sometimes, or sometimes, like, or sometimes it doesn't even get there. It's just like I'm a Christian. I'm religious, and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm really sorry. This is not gonna work." And I was like, "What you mean, honey? Like, you was over here talking about, you know, like subverting the empire and like, you know, like combating white supremacy, and you was talking about all this shit. Like, we on the same team, baby. Like, what's good? What's your, nah, I can't even do it. Like, hold up, like." Where are you going? And she gone. She didn't match me. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, <laughs> like, yeah. Then, you know, and so the thing is, is like, you know, people associate us like with their pain, you know. Um, mm. That's a really hard thing, you know, because I think uh, 
I think on some level, I, I cannot, I feel like it's really irresponsible and unkind and uncaring for me to, to just be like, oh, well, I'm not that way. Mm. You know, my church doesn't do that. I'm a liberal Christian or whatever it is that I have to say. And this is going to sound harsh, but like, that's what white people do when we talk about racism. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm not that way. Yeah, my, yeah, family, exactly. my family didn't own any slaves. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's like, yo, yeah. and it's like, yo, this, this name that you carry is still tainted with that blood. Right. And so right. if you're going to use this language, if you're going to talk about God and Jesus, the Bible or whatever, like you cannot leave that blood. You, can, you cannot like wipe yourself clean of that. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you can't. Mm-hmm. and I think an important point is that it's not just that like when people see you as a Christian or a minister that they like associate that with pain. But I think we have to get like church members see that too. Because what I see a lot is a lot of church members, particularly older ones or people who have been in church their whole life and who have never ever had unpleasant experiences in church. When they hear about the way people like just want nothing to do with us, just like up front, they get like so grossly offensive. Like how dare they think that about me because I'm a Christian. Not knowing that on the other side, there's a whole bunch of Christians out here who are just like wreaking havoc and ruining lives. But for some people, they've never seen that. They cannot, some of the people in my church cannot imagine the pain that other people who call themselves Christians like put out in the world. They just cannot fathom it. And so for them, for someone to say, well, I don't want anything to do. I'll give you an example, right? We were getting ready to baptize um, this lesbian couple who lives in my neighborhood. Uh, But then they did some research and found out about the UMC's position on the matter. And then they opted out and said, you know, we're no longer comfortable doing that. And I understood. My church has been open and affirming since 2000. So the members of my church were offended. They were like, well, don't they know that like, we're not like them, we're not those kind of people. Uh, but they don't understand that to the people on the outside, there'll always be that link and that yeah, you can't yeah. really separate the two. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to get church people to understand that like, as a person who goes to church, you carry the accountability of the people mm-hmm. who ruined it for you before you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 years ago when I was an undergrad, I was working with a couple of people. I was the intern at like a church plant and they were really interested in they never wanted to call themselves Christians. So we were out in London, England, you know, this is a very like post-Christian society, you know, religion, interest in formal religion is to steady on the decline. And so we're trying to plant a church there. Right. (laughs) And, um, And one of the things that, one of the things that one of the leaders would always do is he would always say, well, don't call yourself a Christian. Um, call yourself a Jesus follower. And I'd be like, I was always like, no, like we're going to call ourselves Christians, you know, but I, I couldn't put my finger on why. And I was like, yo, what you're trying to do is you're trying to wipe your hands clean of, of the blood, you know, mm. like, of, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you're trying to just like, you're trying to, to not be held accountable for the history of the things mm-hmm. that have been done in this thing that you're trying to do, which is the Christian religion, which is start a church, which is, you know. Uh-huh. Who, who comes in and who comes out what's a sin and what's not you know whose sexuality is is permissible whose is not you know whose orientation is is permissible whose is not and this is like yo like because this is what happens this is what happens if you don't reckon with that history you're gonna do that shit again right if you don't reckon with that history you can't mm-hmm. recognize what it looks like right now Right. So that's why, to me, yeah. I'm always like, no, you you have to you have to reckon with that. You have to look at that in the face. 
in, that's kind in, of that's kind of the sin the sin of the white liberal situation is like changing the language becomes the biggest priority rather than changing the structure you know it's mm -hmm. like the bigger deal is to be like it's about like everything is about you know using she for god instead of he but it's not actually about like dismantling the sexism or it's not about dismantling the racism it's just about the more just the surface level stuff and how quickly people and like how quickly people who are like so-called progressives right how quickly they will turn on people who are not like them as soon as mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm thinking about like right now at COVID right now now a, a month ago when governors and mayors start saying we're gonna like ticket people and take people to jail for not complying with shelter in place if anybody had asked me, I could have told you that they were going to arrest black and brown people disproportionately to white people, because mm -hmm. that's what laws do in America, especially laws that are subjective, subjective and give cops the opportunity about whether or not to let someone go ticket them or jail them. People who look like me and Christian are always going to be more likely to get ticketed or jailed. Like always, it's common sense, right? But you say that to like a so-called progressive liberal these days, and they'll be like, well, I don't care. They should have been outside. I don't like it. They, they don't, right? Because that is too inconvenient to like to like wade through the messiness uh, of how complex that issue really is. It's just easier to say, "Oh, damn them all! They shouldn't be outside." Right. Other than talking about like, well, why are they outside? Why are they not complying? What What is it that makes them not believe this? Or like, you know, like, no, no one ever wants to get to the root of the problem. They just want to trim the leaves, and that's like sort of sort of what happens. Well, I've certainly been enjoying this conversation. I want to definitely have us end on um, on. Let's see, what's what are some what are some of the fun and most joyful things you've been experiencing in this season? Is there books or movies you'd recommend that are just fun, Christian, or activities or thoughts or? I can get that... I can get so deep right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're so, Enneagram Four, of course. I would say so. I would say. Um, one thing that's been bringing me a lot of joy is is this weather. Mm, yep. I cannot I cannot believe I'm not exaggerating when I tell you never in my life have I just wanted to be outside for like consecutive days. <laughs> I wake up and I'm just I'm gonna go hang out outside. I go the next day I'm gonna go outside. Never in my life have I felt like I'm missing something if I'm not outside. I'm always like, why would I go outside when I could be inside? Right. <laughs> An indoorsy person. My PlayStation ain't outside. <laughs> my phone ain't outside. My books ain't outside. I can't ride outside. My air conditioning ain't outside. Yeah. <laughs> my microwave ain't outside. Why would I go outside? <laughs> it's a... That's, that's what, the, but, but my homie says that this is only, only going to last like two weeks. So that's sad. But that's one thing that's given me joy. I have, I have been going back and watching old Pokemon episodes. I just used to watch that a lot when I was little. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just had some, some the other day and I got some homies who like, who came through with their Netflix account. Yes. Shout out, shout out Ingrid. Um, <laughs> shout out Nicolette for that Hulu. Um, Shout out Meyer for the HBO Plus or whatever that thing is called. Uh, so they came through. So I've been watching a little bit of TV, and that Pokemon. I just, you know, you watch things as a child, you watch them as an adult, and you and you're like, oh, there's some shit going on, you know. Yeah. And the ways that Ash interacts with 
his Pokemon, sometimes you like, you kind of question, you're like, oh, I don't think this is okay, you know? And <laughs> the fact they capture these little, and they're Pokemon, oh, Pokemon yeah. monsters. They capture yeah. these monsters, and I, I guess for entertainment or for pride, they make oh, them fight yeah. each other, you know? And then the Pokemon, some, sometimes they feel like a loyalty to like their trainer. And when a Pokemon doesn't want to be loyal, doesn't want to fight another Pokemon, they're, they're perceived as like, oh, well, you're not doing what you were made for type Ooh, shit. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we can get so... You sound like, like a PETA commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's funny because PETA's official line is that Pokemon promotes animal abuse. Is that yeah. right? Yo, and I didn't know that. And, and, well, well, let me highlight you. Well, let me come... come, come <laughs> Coming from my coming from my growing up, what I heard, and these wasn't my parents, but these were other like these were other like Latinx, like Protestant uh people. They'd be like, Eso del Diablo. They'd be like, that's the that's Pokemon some shit from the devil. And I'd be like, What you mean? Like, how's it from the devil? And they'd be like, Those cards, they're all demonic. They're trying to teach you, those are all devil's demons. I'm like, why is Pikachu so cute? I was like, this is not a damn demon. I was like, Child, go read the New Testament. Anyway, so I, so I've been doing some of that, and also American Horror Story. I've been catching up on. Um, y'all, either you American Horror Story people? I'm too scared. I'm not. Yeah, I don't do horror or suspense. Yeah, I, well, I don't do horror neither. But this, I like this. So, really? So, I haven't yeah, even so, seen the Jordan Peele stuff. So, oh, I love Jordan Peele stuff. So, some of it is, and like the Jordan Peele stuff, is. Is really sophisticated, like social analysis. Mm. You have to send me whatever those episodes are. <laughs> What'd you say, Katie? You have to send me whatever those episodes are. Just like you got, you got, I, just, I just finished season three, which is Coven of oh. American Horror Story. You got and that, and every, every season is about like a, a particular other scary thing. So Coven yeah. is about witches, and, uh-huh. and so it's just really cool. So I started okay. watching that because I was watching season eight, which is about warlocks. Oh. <laughs> and so there's a warlock who's really powerful and they were like we need to call the council the council are witches and they're like oh we think that this warlock can be a supreme and this this like group of women who was like sitting across from like these group of men they're like huh hell not like we a, a man just can't be a supreme there's no way that like in all of history there's never been a male superior so and they're like no we think he can do it we got to let him perform the seven wonders which is the test that a supreme does and the council is like no and i just kind of got some life of, of watching a, a group of powerful women say to a bunch of men like ha like you got me messed <laughs> up like hell no like this man can't be no supreme like when how where where do you see that these women are like the Bible is clear. <laughs> but um, but anyway, so and I'm not a big TV person, but I've just yeah, I've just been watching old Pokemon, catching up on American Horror Story. Doing my oh, shit. Oh, one more big commercial. This yeah. is my favorite TV show. One of my favorite TV shows of all time is Atlanta on FX. I do recommend that. Um, I've heard it's so good. Uh huh. That's produced and produced and created by Childish Gambino. Oh, Glover, Childish Gambino. Yeah, I met him once in New York City. What? Mm-hmm. Jealous. Incredible. He he's lovely. He writes the show and he's also in it, and it's just incredible. I well, will say that my most beautiful moment during all this has been a thirteen-year-old from my neighborhood 
uh, texting me a couple, like a month ago, telling me that she thinks she wants to be more involved with church. This is a kid that I see like almost every single day in my neighborhood at the coffee shop. I've gotten her to come to church twice, like uh, once on like Easter one year and then like once on Christmas another year. And they were planning to come again on Easter this year before we got shut down with COVID. But she was like, yeah, I just at like 3 a.m. Assist me a text message was like, Malachi, I think I want to get more involved with the church. And like, I was cutting back clips in my room. So I'm like super enthused about that. And I'm ready for like all of this to be over uh, because it might last longer than a 14 year old attention span. So, you know, we got to <laughs> <laughs> next area. Thanks so much, Christian, for taking time to hang out with us and giving us a little glimpse into your world and to the UCC life of downtown Minneapolis. It's been awesome to meet you, man. Yeah, and likewise, Malachi. Thank you both for letting me be on the show. Uh, it was a joy. I hope we get to do this again sometime. Yeah, so I'm grateful. Thank you.